In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us wherever you may be. I know some of you are now nestled into your summer cabins, watching on your screens. Some of you are enjoying this wonderful triple-digit heat in Dallas. And still others of you are tuning in for the first time, saying to yourself, what is this St. Michael? What do they have to talk about today? So wherever you are, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I'd like to do something a little bit different, and I'd like to exercise some different spiritual muscles. For months now, we've been grappling with things like coronavirus, quarantines, and honest conversations about race. And these are just the big things. It doesn't include all the little ways that life is just plain hard. Today, I would like us to spend some time simply resting in God's presence. I would like us to focus on the abundant life that God intends. We're not escaping the challenges that face us. We're just making sure that our efforts are rooted in the one who made us and loves us and calls us by name. Because as Paul says, without God, we're merely sounding gongs or clanging cymbals. At St. Michael, we don't want to be noisemakers, we want to be lovemakers. We're no good to anybody if we're exhausted and depleted. Jesus had it right in how he lived his life. The best way to heal the earth is to spend some time in heaven. And heaven isn't just a place we go and we die. Heaven is an eternal reality that breaks through all the time. It's available to us now. And so this morning, in this worship service, we are going to root ourselves in God's abundance. We're going to adjust our eyes to the heavenly light and tune our hearts to the frequency of love. Rather than focusing on lack, ours or others, we're going to meditate on just how bountiful God's harvest really is. The Bible is full of images of abundance, but we're usually so focused on who's getting thrown into a lake of fire or who's being cut off from the promised land that we miss the essence of the biblical witness. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we are secure in this love, we become agents of grace. When we trust our place in the heavenly family, we become leaven in the loaf, helping all things rise. So what does God's abundance look like? What does it mean to say that life in the kingdom of God yields a bountiful harvest? I'm not talking about the way the world defies bounty, cash, cars, jewelry, prestige. I'm talking about spiritual abundance. What does it look like when God is at the center? What does the journey feel like when Christ is at the helm? I'd like us to catch a glimpse of heaven this morning. I'd like us to be firmly rooted in God's grace. In today's scripture lessons, we don't have to go far to find images of abundance. Matthew imagines a harvest that is so bountiful that the seeds yield 100 or 60 or 30 times what was sown. The kingdom of God is not an even exchange. It's not a one-to-one transaction. God's harvest is more than we can ask or imagine. Life in the kingdom of God 
is extravagant. In Matthew's story about the sower, we often focus on all the ways that the word of God is frustrated. We focus on the hard ground, the shallow soil, the frustrating rocks, the hungry birds, or the thicket of thorns. We focus on the barriers, not the bounty. We emphasize the limits, not the love. We wonder whose seed is falling on good ground and whose is not. And in that way, we focus on hell and miss the harvest. The whole point of the story is God's abundance. Look again at the parable. The sower doesn't just plant a few seeds in a few choice spots. The sower scatters the seed far and wide, trusting that enough of it will grow and bear fruit. And we're not the ones who make things grow. We're not the ones who establish heaven on earth. God does that. In fact, spiritual growth is the most natural thing in the world. It precedes any of our efforts to make it happen. When the conditions are right, the seeds simply take root and grow. It's what they do. We can condition the soil, but God gives the growth, and it's always more than we expect. Or consider today's passage from Isaiah. After proclaiming oracles of doom and explaining why the people have been taken into exile, chapter 55 turns a corner. Isaiah makes it clear that while exile is devastating, there is a future for God's people. While their losses are real, their story is far from over. Those who have panted in parched lands will come home and become a blessing not only for themselves, but for all the nations of the earth. Listen to Isaiah. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's creative word is not empty. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. In this church, we believe that Jesus Christ is the incarnate word of God. The love of God made manifest. In Christ, we find the fullness of God's creative power. And I would ask us, are we consuming this eternal word and becoming a blessing to others or are we consuming empty words that demean and destroy the creatures of God? Quite simply, do our words point to heaven or to hell? And God doesn't just provide the basics. God's goodness is extravagant. Isaiah goes on, For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Don't you love this passage from Isaiah? The earth itself will join in the celebration of God's people as they return to the land and live into the covenant that God made with their ancestors. Both Matthew and Isaiah are pointing to the abundance of God. While the challenges of the journey are real 
and the consequences of sin are serious, we must always hold before us a vision of God's kingdom as presented in the Bible. God comes to heal us, not to harm us. Love is not a scarce resource. It is an abundant resource that multiplies the more it's used. There's plenty for everyone. In my life, several people have modeled this kind of heavenly abundance. They're not perfect. They don't have it all figured out. But they've learned how to live in love no matter the cost, and it is absolutely infectious. God's seed has landed in their heart, and they are yielding a bountiful harvest. First is Carrie, a fellow chaplaincy student I met while doing clinical pastoral education at University of Colorado Medical Center in Denver. Carrie was a young Buddhist woman from the Colorado foothills. Her manner was so kind and her listening was so deep that I just knew that the spirit of God was in her. While the busyness of the hospital flustered some and the scariness of traumas shook others, Carrie was the picture of equanimity. Since her daily Buddhist practice helped her release outcomes, she didn't have to overfunction. She simply offered her whole self to the moment and those she met with. She didn't have an agenda. Her ego didn't get in the way. And when I imagine the peace of heaven, Carrie comes to mind. Another woman who manifests the abundance of God for me is Janelle Getchus. Janelle is a doctor in Washington, D.C., who has devoted her life to the care and protection of homeless men. As young adults, Janelle and her husband, Alan, were on their way to serve in overseas missions when they landed in D.C. and saw the extent of the suffering on the streets, swollen feet and gangrenous wounds, untreated addiction and out-of-control diabetes, mental illness and exposure to the elements. With the support of Church of Our Savior, a missional congregation committed to putting Christ's love into action, Janelle and Alan started Christ House, a 34-bed medical facility for homeless men in the Adams Morgan neighborhood. Janelle is tireless, not only in treating health conditions, but also in advocating for sane government policies. And while people half her age give up and burn out, Janelle never stops. She's fueled by a life of prayer and the support of a residential community that shares her commitment to health and justice. The love of God is bearing abundant fruit in Janelle's life and the lives of those at Christ House. These are just a couple of people in my life who have shown me what God's harvest looks like, and I'm wondering who in your life is showing the same fruits. God is continually calling the world into being. God is continually transforming us from a life of sin to a life of abundance. Sometimes we lose sight of heaven. Sometimes we wonder if there's meaning in the madness. But remember how things grow. A seed finds soil and rests for a while. By the miracle of creation, it breaks open and begins to grow, sending roots down and stretching upward toward heaven. Growth comes from God. It's as natural as can be. In our lives, when things seem scary or bleak, when everything around us seems to be falling apart, trust that even now human hearts 
are breaking open. In due time, there will be a bountiful harvest, not because of our efforts, but because it is God's will for things to grow. As God says in Isaiah, my word shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You are a planting of God. And by God's grace, you will produce a bountiful harvest. Amen.